After numerous months of planning, research and setup, episode one of Teachable the Podcast is finally here. In this episode, I speak to Gina Nelson, an educational consultant in Abu Dhabi. Our conversation takes place huddled away from some very unstable weather as our small desert town is hit by a dust and sandstorm. In this episode, we discuss chocolate crickets, the need to fail more often, and our abilities to be flexible and adaptable to living life in the Middle East. Sit back and enjoy this normal, ordinary woman with some extraordinary stories. Gina describes herself as an artist, writer, educator, world traveler, adventure seeker, and someone who sees the beauty in all things. Certainly a personal CV to be proud of, but having known Gina for a little more than four years now, I find myself learning new things from and about her every day. Gina, welcome to Teachable the Podcast. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here and honored to be the first guest on Teachable. So, Gina, we met around four and a half years ago, um, obviously working for the same company here in Abu Dhabi and have worked together closely over that time. Um, I guess without jumping right in, um, what have been your highlights and lowlights here in Abu Dhabi? Um, Well, this is my first time in the region. I have never experienced even living in the Middle East or even uh, considered it as a possibility. Um, it pretty much came across um, a few years back, now five to be exact. I was experiencing something in terms of a family emergency and I was detained. Um, but because of family circumstances at the time, I just kind of reevaluated my life. I was heading back to Paris, postponed my trip to Paris, and decided to look at some other opportunities. Wow. I mean, could you tell us what you were going to do in Paris? Actually, I lived in Paris for two years. So I lived primarily as an artist and writer. I had a sponsor. Uh, This sponsor was someone who was an advocate of the arts, a huge sponsor in terms of sponsoring local artists, uh, emerging artists, in the Northeast region in the United States of America. Wow. So jumping right into that artist and writing sphere, I mean, what have you learned from being an artist or a writer? and a writer. Um, I'm still evolving as a writer, but I'll take you back actually a few years, actually more than a few years. Um, I don't want to age myself, but (laughs) I will take you back to my college years. I actually majored in English. Um, It was a major that I wouldn't say it was my first um, choice for a major. However, I think um, I looked at all the courses I had taken at the point and decided, okay, this would be the most suitable. Um, Maybe I also thought it was gonna be the easiest pathway. Um, (laughs) You always go the path of least resistance, which is not recommended. However, that's where I chose to go. I chose to be an English major. And I recall it was my junior year in undergrad when the women's studies professor that I had, I cannot recall the title of the course, But she basically told me if I intended to be an English major, then I needed to go help, seek help from the writing workshop. And the writing workshop was held, I think, every twice a week, maybe on a Monday and a Wednesday at the university. And it was where you could get help from graduate assistants. And I was shattered, to be honest. Um, I was kind of offended. 
and I couldn't believe she was in essence telling me that I wasn't a strong writer and there was no way I should consider writing um, or choosing English as a major. I took a step back, uh, probably reevaluated her advice, but decided that I was going to go straight ahead with this. I did not attend any workshops. <laughs> I did manage to secure, a, I would say on average, a B-plus average in my major and continued um, through undergrad. But it wasn't honestly truthfully until I got to grad school where I think I found my voice as a writer. Uh, when I was in high school, um, it had been said that unless my teachers had told me that uh, I sounded too academic, um, it seemed as if I was trying to copy someone else's style. And I would probably say that looking back at my writings. And I truly found my voice in graduate studies program at NYU. We had to write um, constantly um, for every course that we had taken. We were writing easily, you know, three to five pages a week, uh, five different courses. So that's when I really obtained my voice and found, I would say, I don't want to say my calling, but it's definitely one of my passions. Yeah. I mean, I've got a very similar story to that. Mm -hmm. Actually, your, your college professor, I think I was in grade 12. Mm -hmm. And uh, in South Africa, in the schooling system, you write uh, trial examinations and then your final examinations. And I can remember very clearly failing my English trial examinations. Yes. I think I got maybe 42%. I was gutted. And uh, I can remember my teacher, who was um, an oldish gentleman, um, not going to name him for obvious reasons, um, but he had a strong affinity to France. He loved going to France mm -hmm. um, and obviously loved drinking red wine. So I can remember after receiving my result, getting him a bottle of red wine and going to him after school one day and saying, hey, I need a bit of help here. I can't fail my finals. I mean, I'm going to go and study English after varsity. I mean, after school at varsity. So, yeah. Yeah, no. It was, it's, uh, I think it's a, it takes, sometimes it takes a wake-up call. For sure. Like one of those things to happen for you yeah. to actually yeah. find your passion. And a lot of times it serves as motivation. So, usually you resolve to not listen to whatever advice it is, uh, um, and then you just keep going. Yeah. So, that's exactly what I did, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. And sometimes we don't like taking that advice. No. It's a, it's, a, it's a hard pill to swallow. For sure. Um, is it... Do you think there's something you wish you had known before starting out as a, as a writer or an artist? Wow, that's a great question. I actually honestly think in the five years I've been here in the Middle East, I've grown so much personally. I have started listening, as a result of listening to podcasts um, and reading a lot more, I've learned so much about writing every day, the type of journaling to do, um, whether it's free flow journaling or specific journaling on a topic. Uh, I've gained so much knowledge and I would highly recommend it in spare time to really spend time listening to other writers who are either prolific, um, who are pursuing a, a field that you are interested in doing. I would definitely say it's the way to go. I've definitely grown as a writer. I definitely think sometimes I do need inspiration being here in the Middle East and especially specifically where I live. I live in a very small town, not even 10,000 people. Uh, the highlight being the local Starbucks, <laughs> which came into town about three, four years ago. Um, so you have to find that, I would say, inner resolve at times to just go through with um, sticking to a schedule 
and sticking to your goals because sometimes you can get sidetracked. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think both of us being in education, yeah. I think one of the things that we battle with the most is getting our students to write. Sure. Um, and you mentioned journaling. That's something I've never tried. Mm -hmm. um, I know a couple of my family members journal. My brother in particular, I know journals. Yeah. Um, but is do you think there's um, anything specific? I mean, I know you mentioned free-flowing journaling and um, just something specific. Would you advocate for someone who's looking to get into writing to just write every day? Um, a daily practice would be great. I try to do 30 minutes a day and now I try to do a minimum of 500 words. So you could set either timing, you could start very small, uh, two minutes in the morning. Um, actually one of my favorite authors that I've read about is Hal Elrod and he has something called Morning Routines. I can't remember the exact title, but it's phenomenal. And a lot of people think they don't have time, enough time to do a, a morning routine or a practice in the morning. But he calls, um, he has this routine called Savers, where he starts with silence. Hopefully I can remember them all. <laughs> silence, affirmations, uh, V, visualization. What's next? <laughs> e, um... I'll have to come back to that one. Experiences, uh, possibly? No, it's not experiences, no. but then writing. Um, so he goes through this routine, and he says, if, even if you don't have 40 minutes in the morning and you're rushing to work, just takes, take one minute for each, um, each heading, each topic, and exercise. I should remember E, because I <laughs> exercise all the time. <laughs> so I should have clearly remembered that. So it's just a great um, way of like framing your mornings for sure. And I think the more and more you get into a regular routine, uh, that helps. So with writing, start small. Whatever passion you have, whatever hobby you have, start small, a couple minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, and just kind of build up that muscle for sure. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, uh, I've just completed my master's and I realized that I wouldn't classify myself as a brilliant writer. Um, but having had to work through my masters which was a large chunk of writing mm -hmm. i found myself falling behind my deadlines if i didn't give myself a target to reach every day yes. um so yeah that's something for people out there looking to get into writing of any sure. kind be that academic or fiction writing for just sure. giving yourself a deadline and working towards that yeah. um, and knocking it out for sure um other than the the battle you might have had at, at college or pre-college with mm -hmm. writing is would you say there's anything in, that you failed at I need to fail more, to be honest, and that's what they say helps you in terms of honing your skills. Um, of course, I've been rejected before. Even currently, I send out uh, manuscripts to publishers. I don't hear anything back, but I still send it out. And in fact, uh, I spent some time this past weekend sending out manuscripts to three publishers. And so I'll just continue, just continue knocking on doors and see what will be open to me. Yeah. So. For sure. But I definitely think I need a major <laughs> catastrophe <laughs> to really launch me uh, into this pathway that I want to go to. Yeah. yeah. And, and would you say that writing is, is your next thing after being involved in education? I would say writing and painting. So I'll go back a little bit more to the writing side. Um, I still carry to this day from my graduate master's program. It's literally a letter that one of my professors wrote to me um, when I was leaving that program. And basically she said uh, she was honored to have me in her class 
and she basically said, let me know when you publish your first book. Oh, that's so and special. And it's been more than 20 years, so I need to get on it. <laughs> yeah, I know the, I know the feeling. Yeah. I mean, the, many people who might listen to this podcast will know mm -hmm. some of my history having yeah. um, gone through some health complications. I always promised myself I was going to write a book about um, having survived cancer twice. And congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's, yeah, congratulations might be the right word. Um, but I've I haven't been able to finish. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that you just constantly have to keep chipping sure. away at yeah. um, and working on. And I think maybe after this, I might be inspired. Ins I hope yeah, so. <laughs> I like that. Inspired to finish. Yeah, because I know uh, my parents in particular would love to see me finish it. So I would like to see that, it. I would like to read it as well. Yeah. So working on that manuscript is it's hard work, but yes. uh, it's definitely rewarding. Definitely. So you've been in the Middle East. Yes. And would you say you've thrived here in the Middle East? I mean, For sure. Um, I, prior to coming here, I've been to about 25 countries. Um, so I am an avid traveler. I've lived in two other places, um, Paris, which I mentioned previously, as well as China. Um, so when, people to when I told people or my friends and family that I was coming to the Middle East, a lot of people were shocked um, because they have these preconceived notions yeah. of what the Middle East is supposed to be. Um, so I didn't experience the culture shock, honestly, that a lot of my colleagues did because I had traveled extensively and had lived in various places prior to coming here. So um, in saying that, I definitely think I've taken advantage of a lot of opportunities to um, actually forge new friendships and relationships with colleagues, with people outside of my work. Um, and it's been a wonderful and rewarding experience, yeah. hands down. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything in particular that attracted you to the Middle East? I actually had, didn't have a preconceived notion of what it was going to be like at all. Um, I was given a book, uh, or a text I should say, uh, to read through and things of do's and don'ts of course. I think one of <laughs> those... you want to read those carefully for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think I've grown in terms of being even more adaptable, even more flexible, um, just looking at turning challenges into opportunities has definitely been a learning experience here. And again, just because you're meeting so many different nationalities and de dealing with so many uh, different voices and perspectives, I think being open-minded is very key to actually thriving here, for yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. I think one of the things mm -hmm. um, many people look for mm -hmm. when, especially in education, because the Middle East is attractive, obviously, with the pay packages sure. and um, all the benefits that come along with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there any advice you have for someone who might be looking to come to the Middle East? Is there anything specific other than what you've said, being adaptable, looking at challenges? Mm -hmm. To attract you here. I, th I mean, uh, for me personally, like I, I mentioned, I just wanted to experience something different, something new, um, something that would definitely take me out of my comfort zone. Uh, the Middle East is unlike any other place I've definitely visited in terms of customs, culture, etc. Um, my advice, again, would just to be open-minded, to realize that this is not your home country, and that there are things that um, are going to transpire that you can't control, and unfortunately, you will have to just be adaptable and be flexible. I, yeah. I definitely think those are the things. And it's an exciting place, to be yeah. honest, because this is a new country. 
Um, it's, you could literally see it transforming before your eyes. And I think by the World Expo next year, there will be a lot of new changes and new, a lot of new exciting prospects for, regardless of what field or industry you're interested in coming uh, and doing here, there'll be a lot of opportunities for sure. Yeah, absolutely. As a small town South African boy, having left South <laughs> Africa, coming to Abu Dhabi and Dubai has definitely been an eye-opening experience, mm -hmm. but one that I'll look back on for, oh, for the sure. rest of my life as being one of the most positive yeah. um, periods of my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Middle East is... It's not what everyone. No. It's not what it looks like on news broadcasts and, and things like that. Obviously, there are aspects of those, but um, <laughs> well, those those things. But mm -hmm. it has definitely been. I mean, it's been the best decision I yeah. ever made. Yeah. Um, and it allowed me it, it to springboard my entire travel mm -hmm. passion. Oh, yeah. And I want to get more into it's your a, travel yeah, passion. Yeah, I mean, I you've said you've met. Traveled to over 25 countries. Yeah, you? well, now I'm at number 50. I'm wow. about to embark on 51 in about a week. I haven't decided where I'm going yet. <laughs> um, but I haven't conquered um, Antarctica and Australia. Those are the last two continents. And I don't really have a rhyme or reason in terms of where I choose next. Um, it's just whatever inspires me at the moment. Um, I last traveled to Indonesia over the December holidays. Um, which was a wonderful experience. Um, I have countries that are on top of my list in terms of I must go, or I want to go, I should say, before I, I leave this earth. <laughs> and then there's some others, if I get back to it or not, it doesn't matter. But um, I would definitely say this has been a wonderful experience in terms of being in the center of the world yeah. and being able to have easy access to most of the countries uh, and continents. It's been wonderful. Yeah, it is. It's almost, yeah. a, I know people back home in South Africa look at me and see my Facebook feed and go, oh my goodness, <laughs> you're going to a new country over a weekend. Yeah, it's, exactly. not as, it's not as bad as that, but um, <laughs> I think it does, it, it is very... It is very easy to travel oh, for sure. um, from here. here yeah. um, you mentioned some of the places that you've been that mm -hmm. are high up on your list. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you share some of your favorites? Oh, sure. Um, Cuba, like I said, Bali, Indonesia, wonderful. South Africa. Oh, really? Yes, of oh, course. Wow. <laughs> South Africa Definitely. is a beautiful place. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Egypt. I've done Egypt, but I would love to do a Nile River cruise. Um, I have, what else, let me think, South America, Brazil for sure, uh, Central America actually is one of my favorite continents, uh, Panama, yeah. uh, Belize, um, Costa Rica, just all wonderful, very highly... Very culturally rich, yeah, those exactly, areas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you choose your travel, I mean, mm -hmm. are you going for a mixture of relaxation and excitement, but a huge chunk of culture, or what are you looking for when you embarking on these wonderful destinations. Yes, um, so since being here, I've decided that once a year I'm going to do a beach destination where I just go relax, decompress, unwind. However, for the majority of my trips, I'm looking for something cultural. So something that's going to take me outside of my element, take me outside the beaten path. Typically, I go for trips or regions where I am not going where all the tourists go. So looking for some kind of unique experience, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, are there any? And I know this is a this could potentially be a loaded question, especially okay. for people that travel. I mean, are there any of those places where you'll be talking to someone and you go, "Ah, oh, you know, you can skip that one." No, but there have been some less memorable trips, and it may have to do with the food. Um, 
Usually not with the people, because in general I've made and been able to forge such great friendships and maintain friendships with people I've met during my travels, but in general it hasn't been too many countries that are on that bottom of the list, the bottom of the pile. Um, if you have the experience to travel or the time to travel, actually you have to make the time to travel, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. So it's not about not having enough time or money, just prioritize, change, don't buy those uh, beautiful Louis <laughs> Vuitton handbags and uh, just trade it in for something else. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's so, one of the things I learned when I left South Africa. I mean, before mm -hmm. I left South Africa, I'd only been to a number of countries and yeah. they had all been sponsored by my gran or a family holiday uh, or whatever. And one of the things that you've said that is just so, mm -hmm. it's so important for re people to realize is that travel... Yes, it is. It's expensive, sure. but it's not out of your. It's not out of exactly. your reach, um, especially living here in, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Um, you skip a couple of brunches. Yeah. Uh, skip the skip the latest. <laughs> and you have a, and you have a free trip. And you've got a, you've got a trip. And with the yeah. countries being so close, I mean, a three three four hour flight could yes. could be in India, yeah. could be in Sri Lanka, exactly. um, could be in Turkey. Yeah. So uh, you could be in Europe. Europe's basically mm -hmm. on our doorstep. So mm -hmm. yeah. That's yeah. definitely something to, for to sure. look forward to and for people to just remember. Um, so on your travels, what would, what would be your go-to order at a restaurant? Wow. Um, I, have a, I don't have a lot of allergies, so that doesn't prevent me from tasting or trying everything that's there. Um, there's no really go... I don't have a go-to. I love fish. I love seafood. Um, I would say that's probably priority when I travel. Um, but I love spicy foods, so anything with a kick or spices in it, I, I, I'm definitely going to be attracted to. Um, but there's not much I don't eat, to be honest. <laughs> that, I mean, looking at your figure, and I know how much you, you exercise and work yeah. out. I mean, you're an avid runner. Yes. Um, I find that hard to believe that there's nothing that you no, don't no, eat. No, no. <laughs> Chocolate is probably one of my... <laughs> For sure, chocolate, chocolate anything I'll eat. Okay. I haven't tried chocolate grasshoppers or anything exotic <laughs> like that, but... <laughs> You're we'll not saying it's not on your list. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah that's, I mean, okay, so getting back to, to mm -hmm. your home life in, in mm -hmm. America, do you have that local home restaurant place that you go to just to get yourself back into your home vibe? No, when I go back home, honestly... Um, I just go to local restaurants. We have so many. I love actually, I'll be honest, I love any farm to table. Yeah. So restaurants that are catering to the local farmers, um, any place where I could get fresh local produce and meats and foods, that's where I'm going to go probably first. But um, French restaurants, I love having lived in France, Italian, you name it. I told you I eat everything. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, my girlfriend says I'm a I'm a big girl waiting to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I think I'm the opposite. I'm a big guy waiting to get in. So. <laughs> Going home uh, and family, share a little bit about um, where you come from. Oh, so my parents are from South South America. Um, many people don't know this country because it's not a tourist destination. Uh, they're from the northeast side of South America, uh, the only English-speaking country. Um, nestled between, well, Brazil is on the bottom, Venezuela is to the east. Let me make sure I know my... Suriname is to the east, Venezuela is to the west, 
Brazil's underneath. Um, it is the only English-speaking country, however, because it's so heavily influenced by the West Indies, it's considered part of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, because politically, economically, um, it's influenced by the West Indies. Um, so they are from there. I was not born there. I was born in Canada. So um, I'm not a U.S. citizen, unfortunately. However, I am working towards my citizenship. <laughs> so you can't marry me if you want citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anyone out there exactly. was thinking of it. <laughs> um, but we were raised in um, the United States. Um, so I was only in Canada for the first seven years of my life. We still have a home there. We still go back to that home. However, we've been raised in the United States. My sibling, nine siblings and I have been. Wow, nine uh, siblings. Yeah, nine siblings and I. So. Wow. What was that like growing up? Uh, I've got one. That's a lot of work. <laughs> A lot of noise in our household, as you can imagine. But because my parents were very strict in terms of stressing education, and that was having come from a country that is impoverished, they stressed education. So everything we did had to do with education. In fact, I'm not an avid television uh, watcher as a result. I don't have a TV. My father only allowed us to watch one hour of television uh, per night, and it had to be half an hour news, just so you could familiarize yourself with what's happening in the outside world, and a half hour of an educational program. And unfortunately, because I wasn't the youngest, I'm the middle, so sometimes that meant Sesame Street and all those other childhood programs that you didn't want to see when you were 12, but uh, that's how it was. Wow. Yeah. So what, what are some of your siblings up to? I mean, are they scattered around the world? Are they... No, not anymore, actually. But I did have, there, there were instances in the summers where there would be like three or four of us traveling internationally in different countries all over the world. I did have a brother who lived in Thailand. Uh, and I did go to visit him last year when he was living there, which is a wonderful opportunity. Um, but now everyone's back in the United States. Um, we are as far north as Boston. Massachusetts, and as far south as Florida, Orlando, Florida. Wow. Summer of 2016, I spent five weeks in the States traveling. Beautiful. Yeah, um, it's wonderful. It, it, it's, it, it's really difficult to find the adjectives to describe how mm -hmm. bigger and better America really is. For those of us coming from <laughs> the eastern side of the world, <laughs> um, hearing that America is bigger and better than... I don't want to say better, but they honestly say that in America you can find, North America specifically, you could find a country that represents, uh, or I'm sorry, a state that represents every country. So if you can't go to Italy, you can go to the state. I yeah. can't remember what Little state Italy. it is. Yeah, exactly. Little Italy in New York. Actually, in New York you can find anything. Little China. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Moving on from travel and family, I mean, what are you curious about right now? For me, growing. Um, personally, de personal development has probably been one of my, um, one of the things that I've been honing in on. Um, a few years ago, I had surgery here, and you start to reevaluate your life, not because I was near death or anything like that, but definitely thanks to my uh, amazing surgeon, I was able to recover quite quickly. Um, and I really just spent time just going inward, uh, digging deep, um, trying to figure out, you know, what are my next steps, what are my goals, who do I want to be more than what I want to do, so what kind of person uh, am I and want to be to other people. So I really spent a lot of time doing that inward work, and still do. Yeah. So I read um, regularly, um, I listen to podcasts, 
I do writing, as I said, a lot of journaling. So, yeah. Yeah. Those I think that's steps yeah. Sure. That's something that, that you and I have the similarity, and I think mm -hmm. having been through what I went through, I'm. Yeah. I live for today. There's no. I mean, I wouldn't say I don't plan for the future. I, for I sure. do, certainly do plan, um, but the planning is no more important than what's happening right now yeah, um, and what I can get involved in now mm -hmm. um, and I'm that type of person that just throws myself at everything yeah. um, I'd, I'd like to classify myself as someone who knows a lot but I don't know a lot about one thing I know a lot about many things yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah that personal growth and development mm -hmm. and I think uh, having been here in the Middle East I've become very reflective yeah. And it's quite addictive. And I think I, I, sure. I find myself feeling sorry for people who aren't reflective, who don't look back. And yeah, it's interesting because I battle with that as well because you want to, you want to, you can't shove things down their throats, definitely. Um, you could, sure, you could recommend a few things, but everyone's got to be willing to like carve out their own path and destiny. And I, I don't want to say I feel sorry for them or. I do empathize with them for sure, but you want them to have the experience that you're having in terms of yeah. your personal development and growth, yeah. for sure. And I think that's what I, I find, I know, I find it very difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of my personal relationships, a lot of people are quite, because I'm so forward mm -hmm. and um, I shoot from the hip, a lot of people are quite, they come back at me as hard as I go at them. And sometimes I don't quite understand why people don't see it my way. Yeah. But it is... <laughs> <laughs> I do have to remember that, uh, yeah. and I don't like to own this, but I have lived a very different life yeah. to, to get to where I am now at 30 mm -hmm. um, compared to everyone else who's 30. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, anyone out there, you've got to be reflective. You've got to think back all the time. Definitely, definitely. Um, you've got to do the inner work for yeah, sure. Yeah, that inner work is it's, yeah. it's fine. I mean, it's not necessarily, we don't want to go all psychological on everyone no. here, but um, <laughs> it is important to, to reassess and reevaluate and sure. to move those goalposts. For sure. Um, so on goalposts, mm -hmm. where are yours? What are you, what are you looking for? Um, Looking at many different things, uh, a couple new ventures that will involve women, I can't say right now. Um, a few of them actually are education related, but because of confidentiality forms I've had to sign, I can't disclose that. But definitely looking to do some work in the UAE and also outside of the UAE. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds exciting. But publishing that book is definitely higher on this. <laughs> you will see. I think maybe what we now. should do is have a bit of a competition, see who gets exactly. there first. Exactly. <laughs> um, for sure. So, I mean, is there anything that I haven't asked that you'd like me to ask? Is there anything you want to tell me that I might not have gone down that road? This has been a great session and um, a therapy session too. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. No, I've actually learned that. a lot about you that I didn't know, even though I've known you for four and a yeah. half years. I mean, that's, that's, so I that's think that's the, whole, well. that's the whole point of where I want to go with this podcast. For it's sure. not necessarily something that I want to become famous because mm -hmm. I do not want to become famous yeah. because I think I'm already infamous. So, um, <laughs> <I like that. laughs> uh, but it is, it's definitely something I want to give people the chance to sit down and just sure. get get their lives out there. I mean, we listen to, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Ellen DeGeneres and a lot of Oprah, oh, okay. a lot of Dr. Phil and Steve mm -hmm. Harvey and those mm -hmm. type of people who everyone knows yep. and they're sharing lessons, mm -hmm. which we get from you, we get from the guy at Starbucks. Sure. 
Sure. Um, I can't wait to sit down with a guy at Starbucks because the stories he must be able to share Hopefully just in sure. our tiny little Medina Zayed here in Abu Dhabi mm -hmm. um, are really, really yeah, interesting. Sure. So to end off my podcast, I'd like to play a couple of games. Sure. So if, you, if you're up for it. Yes, I yeah. played a lot of games growing up. We only had each other, nine siblings and I. So, so yeah, you must uh, be quite used to games. games. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first one is a bit of a word association. So I'm going to give you a couple of words. Okay. And then um, if you could just share the first thing that pops into in. your head. Um, could be an idea. It could be an associated word. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be a feeling. Okay. Um, anything. Love. Friends, family, you need to be, honestly, first you need to love yourself in order to be loved. Yeah, I like that. Passion. Pursue your passion relentlessly. Um, I would say don't give up on it. Uh, don't let obstacles come in your way. And don't listen to what other people say or think. Yeah, I like that too. Mm -hmm. Truth. Must be truthful in everything you do. Uh, one thing that's important to me is integrity. So... I associate integrity and truth in that same, in that same category for sure. Yeah. Regret. Don't have too many of those. Not at all. And, and don't look back, to be honest. It's okay to reflect, to learn from the experience, but don't have too many regrets at all. Yeah. So Gina, talking and learning from you today has been exceptionally calming and enjoyable oh, at the you. same time. And I, I really thank you so much for speaking openly. Um, but before we go, where can we find your writing? Where can we find your art? Um, so right now for my art, I am on Facebook, um, also on Instagram. So my Facebook is just Gina P. Nelson. And my Instagram is, I think, just Gina P. Yep. <laughs> I have to check. I have two different accounts. One is for my fitness and one is for my travel and my writings. Yeah. So oh, hopefully... fitness is something we didn't get yes, into. Yes, we did not talk about fitness. I yeah. forgot about that. How yeah, can so I forget? Let us in on some of this fitness because I think I could do with a bit of fitness coaching. Or <laughs> We're going to walk around the block and then come back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, actually, interesting enough, uh, fitness has been an integral part of my life since I was 13. Um, having so many siblings, we always competed physically against each other. Um, there, weren't no, there weren't physical fights between us, at least not amongst myself and my brothers, but the boys for sure. Yeah. Um, but I have been actively involved in competitive sports since the age of 13. And recently, um, I've just started running again races. I've always been a sprinter. Um, so running anything beyond 400 meters was always a challenge. In fact, my high school cross-country coach, she gave me an award for like the most improved. However, she did recall that I probably every day complained, moaned <laughs> about having to run three miles every day and beyond that uh, just to keep in shape for the track season. But it was a valuable lesson. I've learned that I need to work at it you know, continuously work at the goals every single day, regardless of how difficult and how hard it is. Um, so I've started running races. Uh, initially, I started just to give back to certain charities. So whether it was breast cancer, whether it was something involving spinal cord research. And my friend and I, um, who's still in the region, who has returned to the region, we used to just play around and jump over the the podiums and pretend like we had gotten first or second, third place, but never really had given any kind of thought about that could be us on the 
on the podium. And it wasn't actually honestly until listening to podcasts, one of, I can't remember which podcast it was, but one of the guests said, why run if you don't have a goal? So I would just run these races, not really have a goal outside of donating to charity. So I started putting some time limits on when I thought I should accomplish a 5K, a 10K, etc. And, and I got a trainer. And coincidentally, I just started winning out of the blue. And then I said, okay, maybe there's something to it. I won the first race by accident, to be honest. And, well, by accident, um, you yeah, took everyone no, else up? No, but I had no idea that I won. They were doing the age categories. And I said, and then my name just popped up. And I was like, really? So I said, let me try it again to see if this is just a fluke or <laughs> I really have something. I really have some kind of, I don't want to say talent because you have to work hard. Yeah. And I definitely honestly believe that hard work beats talent any, any day. So um, I won. And so the next time I said, okay, I'll try again and I'll give myself a time limit. And I started winning first and second. So since having a trainer about a year ago and since competing, I've had four uh, first place finishes and two second place finishes. Wow, and you find all the time outside of your busy work schedule, you're yeah. writing, you're <laughs> reflecting, you're artist, you're painting, yeah. and you're dominating on the podium. Goodness yeah. gracious, is there anything yeah. you're not capable of? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. Yes. Right. So finally, a small little trademark, and I think this okay. is something I'd like my podcast to become okay. known for. Okay. Uh, it's a small segment that I'm going to call Curtis, you being absolutely ridiculous. Okay. And um, so if you could choose between having a headache or hiccups for the rest of your life, which would it be? Hiccups. Because I could keep drinking, swallowing from time to time. Um, at least you could um, temporarily relieve it. But a headache? I don't know. I don't get too many headaches, but I know I have, unfortunately, some friends who suffer from migraines and severe headaches and cluster headaches. And I know that's not a nice feeling. So hiccups for sure. Wow, that's I need to drink more water anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good excuse to get it in there. Gina, thank you so much. This thank has been you. really great. Thank you, Curtis. Um, it was a pleasure and an honor to be here today. Thanks. I'm so looking forward to speaking to more normal, ordinary people with extraordinary stories. So if you have stories to tell or know of someone, please reach out. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at teachable underscore pod or email me at teachablethepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to chat to you. Thank you to those of you who have supported me on patreon.com. For those willing to part with a few extra bucks, please head over to patreon.com forward slash teachable the podcast i'd really appreciate it the music for teachable the podcast is supplied by matthew gardner a young south african artist his latest track far away is the one you hear in all our episodes find him on facebook and instagram at matt.s.gardner and until next time be normal be ordinary but share the extraordinary